is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I am your host, Dara Mar, and after a brief week off, I am back and I am joined, as always, by Fionn Malloy. Fionn, how are you? Good. Good to see you're feeling better as well. You've taken back over your regular seat there as the host. Uh, it was a tough duty there having to fill in for you, I have to say. And unfortunately for me, you get the the beauty of dealing with me, a very eloquent, well-spoken young man. But I had to deal with the lump of potato that is Jake as my co-host. So that made things an extra step more difficult, I have to say. Well, look, you can deal with Jake. So that means you can deal with any sort of guest that Send comes me professional. on the show. My degree is in, my communications degree is in the post, I believe. <laughs> Did a fantastic job hosting last week, you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, I was like a proud papa there with you two, <laughs> watching you two just run that show. By yourself also had to make sure that he didn't do too good of a job because i wanted to make sure i was able to come back as well yeah well look we gave we gave the seahawks an awful hammering but probably knowing you it's only right the worst so. that you would have been saying anyway so yeah. i don't think i don't think you would have felt too hard going by by that yeah you you've spent enough time around my company at this stage now Fionn. you know exactly how i think when it comes to seahawks performances and you're spot on with your criticism last week um i would have said Almost everything, probably a little more as well, added mm, on to that. Mm. But it's a different week this week because uh, both see we both can celebrate a win because the Seahawks and Washington both won. Yeah, Jake is not on. Um, I'm guessing it's obviously he says he's feeling uh, the he same under the weather on. you were feeling. <laughs> but because yeah, I think it was under the uh, the L weather. That's what uh-huh. it was. Taking that L, we should be used to it now at this stage. Of, um, being a Giants fan, but this is our live week. 13 review show it is awful out there today it's wet it's cold it's windy so there's no better place than right here to be listening to us talk a little football there today um before we get into the football itself i do must mention that this show is brought to you by mcgowan's of bibsborough upstairs at mcgowan's is the place to be for your nfl sundays mcgowan's has everything you'll need multiple screens to watch the games and NFL Red Zone on the big projector, and some tasty pints, and some even better food. Drink deals, including if a player in the main Sky Sports game score a touchdown, then you can get two-for-one drinks for the rest of that quarter. So that means if there's still 14 minutes left in the quarter, or two minutes left in the quarter, it's two-for-one drinks for the rest of that quarter. Of course, make sure you do book your table for Sunday to avoid disappointment uh, and keep an eye on our social channels where we will obviously provide links for where you can uh, book your tables if you need to. And of course, as always, thank you to McGowan's of Fibsborough for sponsoring the show. But Fionn, we're going to get into the uh, wheel of topics now here in a second. Um, Some really good topics. Let's Let's get the wheel straight up here and have a look at some of the stuff that we could be talking about tonight. So there is some Seahawks talking that. There's some Washington talking that. There's some Giants talking that. The Lions, they won their first game. The Monday night game last night, which was, you know, a snow out. Not a blowout, but it was a snow out last week. Um, so we'll see. Let, let's just get straight into the wheel. Let's, let's not talk mm-hmm. anymore. Let's, let's talk about some football right here. Let's see what we're going to be talking about. So spin that wheel. Oh, it had to straight be straight in, <laughs> straight in, no kissing, 
as they say, it is the giant waste of space. And I have to credit you for that, Fionn, because that was that was your name. This was, that was your uh, headline this week. Your tabloid uh, writer degree is coming with your communications degree <laughs> now next week as well, because the New York Giants went down twenty points to nine to the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in another disappointing performance for Joe Judge's men. You know, Miami now have won. Five straight with Tua, but even more impressively, um, they have, in those five games, the defense has become the defense we were kind of used to seeing mm-hmm. at the end of last season. We're, um, and Tua is sort of showing as well in these games that, you know, the, the Dolphins should take a chance with him now going into next season and maybe stay out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Um, you know, they, um, they are... Uh, six and seven, third in the AFC East, and of course behind the Bills and the Patriots. On the Giant side of things, now they're four and eight. Uh, the defense or the offense, I should say, uh, has only scored more than twenty points once in the last five games. That was, of course, against the Raiders. Um, Mike Lennon got the start this week due to the um. Daniel Jones uh, neck issues and looks like he's going to get a start this coming week as well as the injuries continue. Um, Interestingly, Joe Judge said after the game, and it was a a quote that I sort of picked out for this, is that he said that he saw a lot of things heading in the right direction. Now, Fionn, I don't know about you, but the direction I see from the Giants and their uh, coaching staff is to the unemployment line. Yeah, I think maybe the only thing that he could be referring to is the fact that Saquon Barkley is finally back on the field and getting some reps. He didn't do too bad. He didn't get a lot of carries, only 11 carries, uh, but he managed to average five yards a carry on that 50 yards, 55 yards on the day. That's not too bad. Uh, I think that's the only bright spark for the New York Giants. And for me, the most depressing thing, and the reason I said they're a waste of time, is they don't seem to have a quarterback it doesn't matter whether Daniel Jones is up there or the backup Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon threw for 44 attempts, Dara. He didn't even manage 200 yards. 187 yards on 44 attempts. No touchdowns and an interception. He might as well have just been a, a bollard. Put a bollard out there behind. Just rest the ball on it. Let's say Quan pick it up and run. That's atrocious stuff. So... I really don't know what Joe Judge was talking about when he said things are looking up. Like I said, it must only be that Saquon Barkley is finally back. They haven't looked particularly good on defense either, which is a worry. So not having a very potent offense and struggling to slow anyone down on defense is not a good combination. And we're seeing that they're they're not that far behind. That's the weird thing in the NFC East, but they look a significantly a significant amount worse than both Washington and the Eagles at the moment. And look, we can't argue the Cowboys are out in front in that division at the moment. Now we've had a couple of weeks and we'll see how that gets on as we get into the really deep divisional games that everyone seems to have coming up at the end of this season. So we'll see how things break, but I don't think it's going to break very well for the Giants. And I just, I just noticed here as well, Mike Glenn, only three sacks. I say only three, saying it's not like on those 44 pass attempts that he was running for his life. He had time, and all he could muster was 23 completions for 187 yards. That's not great. No, it's not great. Um, And, you know, look, 
Daniel Jones had his own issues as well before the injury with with completions and sacks and fumbles too. So it's not just on on Mike Lennon. And and I know you're saying that Saquon is sort of getting back into the groove of things, but Saquon hasn't has really struggled. And you, you can put that down to the to the offensive line, sure. Mm-hmm. But you know what direction like is this joint team going to go in for the rest of this year? Because they changed the offensive coordinator. They fired. Jason Garrett, you know, they clapped him out the door. They thought this was going to change everything. And then you realize who the replacement was for the end of the season being Freddie Kitchens. But nothing really has changed in these last couple of weeks. They continue to struggle. You know, I think I saw a fantastic stat there um, at the weekend that Jonathan Taylor has more touchdowns this year than the entire New York Giants offense. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. that's that's a terrible that's a terrible stat to have, even if it is a joke. It's not prolific, and if memory serves me right, they had a very similar stat last season as well. So it's not going well on the offense. My big question is how much of this is on Joe George in terms of what he inherited and how long do you give him to turn things around? Because he has complicated it for himself, given the turmoil that went along last offseason when he was initially signed. It was a big hullabaloo. People were very excited. They liked his attitude. They liked his mentality. And then we saw a lot of problems in the offseason. A lot of guys retiring on the spot. They had nearly a whole offensive line, I believe, retire or get injured or get traded away in the offseason. So it'll be interesting to see how management evaluates him. It's not a complete disaster. I think they're actually going to be just good enough for it not to be worth it in terms of draft picks. But I think they do have one draft pick, don't they, from the Bears? That's going yeah, to be quite year, high. Yeah, 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 do. So, yeah. For the uh, Justin Fields yeah. um, draft pick there. So we'll, the we'll see how that breaks down. But yeah, it, it's for me, that's the big interesting question is, Joe George has not performed well, but has he performed well enough to get one more year of analysis and if he does what can he do because that offense has looked bad not just this year but last year as well so it's an ongoing issue yeah and i think like obviously judge's fate is out of his own hands we mm-hmm. know that but if if rumors are led to be believed that um dave gettleman's going to be out the door at the end of the season the new gm whoever that is that comes in may not want your judges their mm-hmm. guy Yep. So he'll have to make that decision and uh, that's it. So Joe Judge, you may, people may, like you're saying, say that he will need, might get one more year, but it's not, it's not on a, oh, he, there's some potential there. It's all going to be based on if this new guy does come in and say, right, listen, I want my own guy. I want the, you know, I want the, a day ball. I want to be enemy. I want the, you know, I want to bring in, mm-hmm. say even Doug Peterson, you know, um, so it'll be interesting. And, and also then if you flip it on the other side, if Gettman does go, then the GM can't be given an order when hired by, by the owner to say, okay, you're hired, but you have to keep Joe Judge in charge. Yeah. Because I don't know if he's shown enough yet I, to warrant that sort of job security. I think if you're Joe Judge, you take the to the end of the season and the pre the, the off season, and you prepare as if you're a free agent coach going in 
to apply for this giant's job, especially if this new GM comes in. You better have a binder, two, three binders, one for each phase of play saying, here's how I'm going to make everything better. That's the only way. You're, you need to know that you're going to compete with these other big names that have a certain amount of star power and a certain amount of allure just in the fact that they're unproven, right? Weirdly, when your team is this bad, an unproven guy doesn't feel so bad. If your team is good and you just want to freshen up that head coaching position, you get a little bit scared of these new guys who haven't had head coaching experience before. But when it's your team and they're already bad, you don't mind so much having a, a slightly newer guy in just to see how he's going to react uh, and give him that opportunity. Because like we said, the team isn't good. So... No matter who comes in, they're going to have a lot of work to do, whether that remains Joe Judge or someone new like Eric Bieniemy. And then we have to look at how how attractive is that job? I guess the fact that in your, you're in New York always adds an extra little sparkle to that coaching position because uh, if you're looking at pure roster talent, I don't think anyone is licking their lips saying, I can't wait to get into that head coaching position. That, that team is one good player away from a playoff run. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. Yeah, no, and, and you're totally right um, with that. And I think um, that is a perfect place maybe to move off um, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. before we uh, go on to the next uh, topic on the wheel. Uh, I should mention as well, later on uh, this week, we are going to be having our Thursday night preview show coming back. Um, we are going to be uh, previewing, of course, the Steelers traveling to Minnesota, Minnesota, I should say. I can't get those mixed up. Apologies. To take on the Vikings at US Bank Stadium. Um, that was just my brain not working for about five <laughs> seconds there, Fionn. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, we have some fantastic guests lined up for that. We will, of course, announce them. Either We'll announce maybe one after the show, possibly, and maybe another one then tomorrow leading up to Thursday's show. We'll see. We'll see how uh, what sort of humor I, uh, I'm in after this show. Um, also, make sure you are following us on our social channels, uh, Twitter and Instagram at UndercenterPod. Uh, also, Facebook.com forward slash UndercenterPod. And subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, UndercenterPodcast. That's where you'll get all of our shows live when we put them out too. Um, also, if you prefer the audio side of it, we, all, we release all of our shows in audio format. So just search UndercenterPodcast wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us there. Subscribe download listen if you don't have time to watch the full show on uh, twitter and youtube but let's go back to the wheel of topics and let's see what we're going to be talking about next let's just straight into spinning that wheel i know fion is dying to speak about the washington football team but dara gets to talk about his seahawks <laughs> yes i've been waiting for this hold on let me get my page here my full page oh god oh god for this right, if anyone needs hold to make on. a cup of coffee you can go off and make it now come back in 30 minutes daryl's still be talking about the seahawks oh uh, uh, no you should you should have your coffee ready right there and it's a bit late for coffee or early ah. i guess wherever you're watching this wherever you're We're watching not all 50 daryl we some of us could take coffee <laughs> after nine o'clock uh so seahawks 30 49ers 23 um the way that some men take part in no, no November, the Seahawks took part in no win November. So in the first game in December, the Seahawks finally get a first win, the first win uh, since Russell Wilson came back from his finger injury in a, I don't know how to say it, a quite incredible game. 
um, it's not for a fantastic performance, just for the amount of strange stuff that happened in this game. Just to, to list a few. A fake punt running in for a touchdown, uh, multiple interceptions, fumbles, safeties, um, unfortunately a very serious injury with the first play of the game as well, um, which uh, to one of the 49 players, uh, Trenton Cannon, uh, thankfully he is, looks like he's going to be okay. It's just concussion. It looked an awful lot worse on the day uh, as well. If some feared that there was a neck injury, thankfully there isn't, which is fantastic to hear. Um, the 49ers uh, were leading 23 to 21 at halftime and were shut out for the entire second half by the Seahawks defense. There's still offensive issues, though, with the Seahawks, despite scoring 30 points. Um, to start the second half, you know, they kicked off two to the 49ers, which started three possessions in a row in 49ers territory, two of three in the red zone as well. And they only came away with uh, one touchdown in that time. One, the first one, was a sort of, it should have been a touchdown. Uh, Russell Wilson threw to Gerald Everett, who had an absolutely awful day. Two fumbles and a sort of a missed catch, which turned into an interception um, as well. The second trip to the uh, red zone, um, they lost yards on third down, which meant they had to punt it. And the third, they got that touchdown to Tyler Lockett to make it 30-23, to which was the end of the scoring in that game. Uh, still an issue. For the Seahawks, uh, third downs, uh, 5 of 15 they were on third downs. Continues to be a, a struggle um, for the Seahawks. Um, again, running back is an issue. Who would have thought signing a 57-year-old Adrian Peterson was not going to solve the run game? <laughs> you know, who would have thought that? But uh, Fionn, yeah, what did you think of uh, the Seahawks' victory over the 49ers? I have to say, that's a nice victory for the Seahawks. I, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I noticed, I didn't get to watch the game, but I noticed in the stats that the the 49ers didn't re- rely on uh, Brandon Ayuk in the run game, which they have been doing for a lot. Is it, Or do I have him confused with somebody else? You have him confused with Debo Samuel, yeah. He Debo was, uh, Samuel, he was, he was out not... with an injury. Yeah, I think that definitely helped you guys, I have to say. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good a good performance. It'll be nice if they can keep the momentum going from that second half, like you said, to be able to shut out that 49ers offense. That was really important. And again, it's when I say that Russell Wilson has gone off a cliff, I still believe that. I, you're going to have good games every now and then. He's an almost MVP. Uh, he has definitely got the talent there. And on the right day, like he had some superb accuracy. Uh, he didn't have many incompletions at all on Sunday, which is very good for him but uh yeah i think it's definitely a good win is this momentum that they can keep going i don't know you would certainly hope so on the defense at least i think Dara, you would even admit that that has been even more disappointing necessarily than the offense at times i wouldn't necessarily agree with that Uh, i think the defense actually has played quite well um in this uh, in this stretch of you know bad results for for the Seahawks, I think that they actually they have stopped the Seahawks from being blown out in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. They've kept games close to give the Seahawks a chance, and um, despite them not being able to, um, uh, you know, uh, the offense not being able to do their part to get them back into games. Mm-hmm. I think th- if it wasn't for the defense, it would have been a lot of um, 
a lot of really, really bad defeats instead of these one-score defeats that they've been suffering these, these last month. Well, on the topic of momentum, you also have the Texans next week. So I think that's a big yeah. boost. Now Davis Mills a... as well and the yeah. Texans. Cause Tyler so you're going to get a two-game two swing there, I think. Conservatively say that's a two-game swing. You're going to need it. Then you're into the Rams, of course. I don't need to tell you what the schedule is. But then, of course, yeah. you've got the Lions there in the last few games. And we'll see what state the Bears are in. It seems to be... Uh, one game to the other, whether Matt Nagy has an idea what he's doing or no idea what he's doing. So, yeah. look, it could be a positive end to the season. I think at this point, four and eight, it's still a bad season, right? And even if you win all the rest of the games, it'll be a nice comeback. It might even get you into a playoff spot. I'm not sure what the NFC East looks or what the NFC looks like in terms of playoff position. Uh, battle are you guys in the hunt technically for no. playoffs? <laughs> they're still they're okay. still not in the hunt you in, in that hunt page okay. they're still well, like you never know um, rattle but, off five wins in a row you never know what can yeah. happen but uh i suspect it won't be five wins in a row if you get three out of the last five that'll be pretty nice and it'll be at least not a disaster of a season of course now we're getting to the end of the season we're starting to talk about draft positions and it comes back to are we are these teams going to be too mediocre to have a bad season and not get a good draft pick out of it as well. And that really compounds. And that's what leads to teams like Washington uh, and other teams around the league that kind of get bogged down in mediocrity for several seasons in a row because you get that real struggle just to find a, a draft pick that can really turn your fortunes around. Yeah, well, the thing, though, as well, about the Seahawks, they don't have a first-round pick this year. So Brilliant. it doesn't yeah, really fantastic. matter. They, yeah. The Jets own their one from the Jamal Adams trade. So yeah. They uh, they don't even and, get to fall back on that if they actually don't. And judging by recent history, uh, they might get rid of next year's one by the time the off season's over as well. So you might go two, three seasons without yeah. seeing a first round pick. It, it is interesting though. Like I, I don't think that like obviously one win doesn't change mm-hmm. anything. You know it. Like I, I, I tweeted out there on Sunday after the game that it was just good to have the winning feeling again. You know. Um, it's just good to win a game. It didn't mean a lot. It's like, well, look, it always it's always great to, to beat the 49ers. But in terms of the issues that this team is facing and and the choices or the decisions that's going to have to be made heading into the offseason as well, this doesn't change anything. There's going to be a lot of really tough decisions that are going to have to be made. Is the worst case scenario as a Seahawks fan that on the one hand, Pete Carroll leaves, retires, decides he's done because he's not going to get fired, as you mentioned. And Russell Wilson gets traded away. And so you're left without both and almost rudderless. Is that the worst case scenario? Or are you kind of thinking, well, Pete Carroll gone is a good thing. And if we have to deal with our quarterback, that's just how things happen. Or is it really a disaster if both those things happen at the same time? In other words, do you feel good about the Seahawks if Wilson's gone, but Pete Carroll's still there? No, I think the worst case scenario, and again, this is just my own personal opinion, is if P. Carroll stays and GM John Schneider stays and Russ goes. That's the worst case scenario because that has a knock on effect to the likes of DK Metcalf because Mm -hmm. DK Metcalf is going to his contract. He's going to be getting his big deal soon. And if Russ leaves and Pete is gone, I don't see DK wanting to sign on the dotted line to stay a Seahawk, mm-hmm. you know. So there, there is a spiraling effect to that, um, and I, I look, I, I 
I'm not one of those people. I don't like big trades with multiple year draft picks involved. I only because I don't mind if the upcoming draft picks are uh, included in any deal, but like future years, two years, three years down the line, I don't like that because realistically these teams that are doing that are in bad positions at the moment. So let's say, for example, it was a Jets, right? We'll use a Jets for an example. I don't think Russ is ever going to go to the Jets, but let's say if it was. The Jets offered their first, their two first-round picks they have this year. That would be okay. But if they then offer, say, one this year and one next year, I wouldn't be happy with that because mm-hmm. Russ going to the team will improve the team, which means they won't be in the same position and they won't get as high a draft pick as they would if they were to get the two this year. So I'm more in the camp of a this year pick, these these year's picks and players trade if it was to happen. Now, I don't want the Seahawks mm-hmm. to trade Russ. I know you think you were saying he's coming off his cliff. I still think that he still has a couple of years left of being at a top tier. And I think you have to use that. If he still is that good, you have to keep him. I don't mm-hmm. think you can cash in on him like that. Um, like I the said, only, spe- sorry. The, the only advice I would have, if if he does go and it is for a multi-high pick this year, I think you have to flip those picks for a quarterback because I don't see anyone in this draft class that is exactly. going to fill the exactly. spot. So you're kind of stuck. This is almost the worst year. If it was last year, you have a plethora of quarterbacks, some of whom have looked very good this season. Uh, so you're kind of, there's none of those. Let's put it like that. There's not even a flash in the pan quarterback, I don't think, in this year's draft. So you're kind of yeah. really at a bad time. So maybe if you could t- talk to Russell and say, Russell, I promise you I'll trade you next season. I'll give you a one-year contract just so we don't have to pick any of these boys coming out of college this year. Yeah. So that's why I'm in favor of the, the player plus picks. Because like if let move away from the Jets, but if mm-hmm. it was the Jets involved, they probably would throw in maybe Zach Wilson. Taylor so Heineke where... would work beautifully with the Seahawks. <laughs> that's, that's how Russell plays. If All you off to... the cuff, running around hero ball, I think he's a perfect fit. If you were to deal with the Bears, you throw in Justin Fields, you know, so there's yeah. those quarterbacks that they can at least get someone back instead of, like you were saying, going to this year's draft selection where I think people are saying there won't even be a quarterback taken in the first 10 picks. You know, so it's not really a great year for for quarterbacks. But I want to flip it on the other side of things here. And I want to get your opinion on the 49ers and Mm -hmm. and Kyle Shanahan, because this is a six and six 49ers team Mm -hmm. that, you know, injuries are being talked about again. And I don't know if this is just, you know, Seahawk fan pettiness, but should Kyle Shanahan be on the hot seat? Because in his time as the 49ers head coach, he's only had one winning season. Yeah. Yes. And that was the season. Yes. I understand he brought them to the Super Bowl. He was within one inaccurate throw of probably winning the Super Bowl. But other than that, and and the, the injury excuse has been used so much with the 49ers and yes they've had injuries but they're not the only team that have had injuries yeah yeah um and i'm just wondering at what stage does bad does injuries stop becoming an excuse and it's just bad coaching i think this is the exact scenario i was talking about joe judge earlier 
where Kyle Shanahan is just good enough and the team is just good enough where you don't want them to rock the boat too much. If you have a guy that you think comes in and makes a convincing argument about exactly how he's going to turn things around, I think maybe then you can go for it. But Kyle Shanahan at the moment, I think his seat is getting warm, but not hot. And for me, the big thing that's going to change that is he needs to develop the depth of the roster. That's clearly where the issue is. We've seen on weeks like against the Vikings the week before when he has his full complement, Kittle and all the, the um that running back that they have. What's his name? Eddie. Eddie Sorry, Mitchell. Uh, Elijah Mitchell. Ed, Elijah Mitchell is a is yeah. a great running back. Uh, and of course you have the uh, Debo Samuel as well. They're a great offense. They have plenty to do. So I think they're they're really looking for that depth is what they're looking for. So when these guys go out, it's not a loss. And they've been so up and down this season. They've lost games they should not have lost. And they've won games that were very difficult to win. I, ju- I can't get a beat on them. I really do think they are that kind of six and six. And it's like toss a coin. Any week, any given week, they lost twice against the Seahawks, but might still manage to hold on and finish ahead of them in the division. So, uh, yeah, it's a very complicated situation. And it's one of those ones, I think, if you're a GM or an owner, it's really the situation you don't want to be in because it's very clearly not working. And it's also very obviously not out of control. And so now the axe kind of falls on you, right? The decisions you're going to make are what's going to change the team. And normally it's the decisions of the head coach that changes the team. So I think they're going to tiptoe very lightly around this. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Shanahan gets a little bit longer because he does have quite a good reputation despite his uh, lack of winning seasons. So we'll see if he can, we'll see if he can hold on. I suspect that he will just because they won't want to rock the boat too much. Because as I mentioned, they're not that far away from being a very competitive football team. Yeah. For me, these red flags have started since draft season when they had that number three pick. They went mm-hmm. with Trey Lance and all the reports where they were going to go for Mac Jones instead um, because Kyle loved Mac Jones, but GM John Lynch loved Trey Lance. They went with Trey mm-hmm. Lance. We haven't seen Trey Lance really at all. There was packages in that game that they had quarterback runs, designed runs, that they still kept Jimmy G on the field and didn't have Trey Lance for them. So there's obviously, there's some red flags there in that too. So yeah. be interested to see how the offseason goes. I know there was more rumours last week, I think. That... Yeah, definitely. I definitely have sympathy for him there, given that it wasn't your quarterback, right? It's not the yeah. guy that you wanted to sign. Mac Jones looks really good. And I think given the role Jimmy Garoppolo played for them when they went all the way to the Super Bowl, he, he would suit very well in a similar style as the Patriots, where you, you run the ball really effectively, you have enough uh, window dressing in that offense to make it very difficult to defend, and you just need your man to be a good manager of the game, understand where he needs to put his team to get the most out of football. I think I still stand by that I uh, what I said in the preseason, I thought Mac Jones was a better fit for the 49ers than Trey Lance was. So I would have a little bit of sympathy for him now if John Lynch axes him, given that he made him work with the tools that he specifically gave him. But like you mentioned, this is not a Trey Lance problem. This They haven't really played Trey Lance. And as you mentioned, they've only had one winning season under his stewardship. So 
It's not like this is a one-off fluke and all of a sudden this sea has got hot. It's been warming up nice and slowly for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, exactly. But let's get back to the wheel. We'll move on from the game. and um, Let's see what we're going to be talking about next. I'd love to speak a little bit about Minshew Mania. What do you think, Fionn? <laughs> I don't mind. Not a biggest fan of the Eagles, as you know, but if that's what yeah. comes up, that's what comes up. Ah, uh, nope. It's not that, unfortunately. It's the Vikings, and they prove... That nobody can trust them. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody can trust the Vikings. I've said it all season. I don't trust this team. I don't trust, you know, Zimmer. And I was proven right at the weekend because the Detroit Lions won their first game of the year at the 12th attempt, beating the Vikings 29 to 27. Uh, you know, they go out the Vikings two weeks ago and beat the Packers in a in a divisional matchup that no one gave them a hope in, and then they go in another divisional matchup against the worst team in football. Well, questionable. You could put the Jaguars in there too, and they lose. Yep. Uh, in a game that they started six, they they were up six to nothing. Then they were down twenty to six. Then they brought it back to be leading twenty seven to uh, 22 and then they allow this last minute drive from Jared Goff I must also mention as well about Jared Goff he has his first win in the NFL under a coach whose name is not Sean McVay Mm -hmm. you know so that's the that uh, that stat line is now gone out the window that he hasn't won a game if his coach is Sean McVay. Did you see the video of his uh, his girlfriend reacting to him actually winning a, a football game? I did, game? just just before we came on show. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a fashion model, I believe, off with Sports Illustrated. Uh, yeah. And so she was not at the game, but they caught a clip of her going mad on. And she clearly follows the game because she knew how big a deal that was for poor Mr. Yeah. Goff, who has not been having a good time of it of late. Yeah. I thought, though, the Lions were condemned to another heartbreaking defeat when towards the end of the game, it was fourth and one on their own 30-yard line. They mm-hmm. go for it. They fake the handoff. So Jared Goff has the play action. He jukes a pass rusher, then forgets the pass rusher was there, and then uh, winds up to take to throw a, some sort of bomb because he wasn't just throwing it off short to just get past the markets. He was throwing a bomb. And then that pass rusher that he duked just bats the ball out of his hands. That gives the Vikings the chance to give them that go-ahead touchdown through Justin Jefferson. But then the Vikings let let the Lions just go down the field. And then I think it was from the 11-yard line. Fourth heck and, of a throw. Heck, heck of a throw. He slammed heck of it a in throw. There. Very soft coverage, though. Yeah. Especially on the goal line. In the, yeah, in the end zone, you want to have that guy bodied up completely. But yeah. But what tell we'll look at the, the Lions first of all, Fionn. Tell me what did you think there? The Lions, they they have been the tryhard team all season, and they finally got there. They've gotten their first win. Dara, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care about the Lions at all. They don't inspire me whatsoever. Other teams back in the day that were zero win I kind of have rooted for a little bit I've liked something about them something has stood out they are just about as interesting as a beige wall Jared Goff has proven that he's not a particularly fantastic quarterback they have no mega superstars and I'm sure some Lions fan 
will point out some name that I'm forgetting on the roster. Uh, but they really don't have don't have many at all. Uh, Aquaminius St. Brown or Amon Ra St. Brown, one of the St. Brown brothers is on the team. He got dropped from a from a many uh many teams already before he landed here. I suppose in fairness, TJ Hawkinson is a good is a good tight end. Feel sorry for him to have to deal with Jared Goff every week in, week out. But yeah, like you mentioned, even when they win, they make it look hard. Uh, they don't do it conventionally, like you said, giving the ball away. And I have to say, that's something that frustrates you as a poor football team, as a fan of a poor football team, is even when you're in the lead, you never feel comfortable. You're always waiting for that thing to happen that'll cause you to blow the game. And it almost did. Uh, I'm sure I'm happy for golf. I, d- I don't think he's a, a goose egg quarterback. I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback but I don't think he's anything special. I think he looked a hell of a lot better in the Rams because of the system they have than necessarily him as a quarterback. And we saw how it fell apart last season before he was traded away. So, yeah. And on the flip side, Dara, who's the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings? Um, oh, I believe he is Some fella. a former Some fella. Washington uh, yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he say? He had some stupid catchphrase. You like that? Well, I'm afraid nobody really likes him. It's Mr. Kirk Cousins. I had to watch it for many a year. He cannot win games he's supposed to win, Dara. We, this is not a Mike Zimmer problem. This is a Kirk Cousins problem. He he had, hold on a minute, he had 340 yards, 30 for 40 completions, and a passer rating of 167 no interceptions, and he still managed to lose the game. Now, I know you have to argue that that's the defense maybe should be holding up better, and there's all sorts of other things involved. But the reality is, he's the man at the helm. He couldn't do it when he was a Washington football team player. He still isn't doing it when it's a Minnesota Vikings player. And I just think the common denominator of these insubstantial teams, that those teams that don't go out and win marquee games and then keep that, rolling going is a hallmark it's the same as Derek Carr he is for me he's the same as Derek Carr he'll never win games that he's uh underdog in or that he needs to win he'll only win the games that he really really should win and that for me is is his big he didn't win this one uh the uh Kirk Cousins exactly yeah he didn't even win this one and he probably needed to have this one coming off a good win you kind of need to keep that momentum going, and he couldn't do it. Now, they, anytime you don't have Dalvin Cook on the pitch, that's never going to help your offense. But I mean, he has to do. He has to find a way to win that game. I'm sorry, uh, there shouldn't be any like Detroit shouldn't have any any hope. I you would expect the Minnesota Vikings to put up over 30 points on that uh, Detroit Lions team. Well, to be fair, I had the under in that game. Yeah, that was probably not a great bet either. What was the under <laughs> in that bet? The under was 47 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you say like they, had, they didn't have Davin Cook. Alexander Madison still ran for 90 yards yeah. and a touchdown. Yeah. You know, he still he still ran really well for that team. So I wouldn't say it was a Davin Cook issue. But like, I think we see, and, and I said with, with Zimmer as well, I keep saying anytime we, we talk about it is that he is one of these candidates to lose his job at the end of the year. Um, he's one of those surprises. Because what did he say? About six to eight head coaches lose their job at the end of each year. 
mm-hmm. I think he's definitely going to be one of them that is going to be under consideration because, you know, it, I think this Vikings team is just stalling under him. I think they're they've reached their their peak with with him in charge, and I think that's someone else to bring in a new fresh set of ideas is going to be important. Yeah, and whether that involves getting rid of Kirk Cousins or not. Look, listen, time will tell on that side of things. But like even their their defensive side, I know they, they've lost some key pieces on the on the line, but the the makeup of that backfield has just been really struggling the whole time. And you know, Harrison Smith can only do so much there playing in the safety positions because their cornerback um, positions are absolutely woeful. Yep. I don't know. I just it always comes back. I've, I'm sure it's my bias, but it always came back. No matter what kind of team was around him in Washington, no matter what kind of team is around him in the Vikings, it's it's always when Kirk Cousins is under center. He just cannot get the job done. And at the end of the day, that's your job as the quarterback. You can't turn around and say the defense wasn't good enough. You can't turn around and say the running backs weren't good enough. You're the man who's paid a quarter of the salary cap on this team. It's your job to go and win the games, and he doesn't win them when it really comes down to it. That's my big problem with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, so unless you have any more to add on this game, I think we'll move on. Yeah, I think the Vikings fans are probably going to come after me now. Uh, I didn't give them a really fair shakedown. I just went after Kirk Cousins. But hey, if you guys are listening to me, you should be going after Kirk Cousins as well. Get Kirk Cousins <laughs> out of the NFL. He's had enough time. I'll tell you what, Fionn, we've waited very patiently and we have one more topic to talk about. We won't go to the wheel for this topic. Okay. Let's talk about Washington. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Uh, Washington beating the uh, Vegas Raiders to go on a, was it four game winning streak? Four game winning streak. Four game winning streak. Well, look, to be honest, I'm going to keep it a little bit brief. I know the guys listening are here to hear us talk about the NFL. We do talk about our own teams a lot, but hey, they're the games that we watch. They're the analysis that we have. So we're obviously going to try and squeeze them in whenever we can. First of all, good job to Brian Johnson. He kicked well. He hasn't kicked for a long time. Uh, and he only had like four kicks in the NFL before he got to us. That was a very good, important kick that he got uh, to get us the win. That was important. Again, exactly as Jake pointed out last week, Washington always seemed to play to their opponents. So if their opponents are playing bad, they'll play down to them. If their opponents are playing well, they'll play up to them. That first drive, I was really excited. We looked really, really good. We were picking them apart. We were throwing the right balls. It slowed down. The whole game slowed down right in those last, in those middle two quarters. And then finally kicked into life in the last, in the last quarter. Between the first quarter and the last quarter, we had 26 points. And in between, we had six points. So that will kind of give you the story of the game. Uh, but look, it's it's a double-sided coin. Taylor Heineke is playing consistently now. And as your backup in the NFL, that's what you have to do. People are completely forgetting that he's a backup anymore. I say it every week, but he's finally ironed out the really big problems. Sure, he's going to miss a read or two here or there. He's going to take a sack he maybe shouldn't. But he's got to a point now where he's not taken five, six, seven sacks that he shouldn't. He's not thrown three, four, five interceptions. And he's not missing the really, really key end zone touchdown passes. That's the important thing. On the Las Vegas side, again, Derek Carr. It's a game he should have won and he couldn't do it. He's exactly like Kirk Cousins. I won't bash him as much because I kind of gave him a bashing while we were talking about Kirk Cousins earlier. And it was an important win for Washington. I said it when I was talking to Jake last week. This is one 
that is a barometer of how much this hot streak is an improvement in the team? Or did you just happen to catch some teams, bad teams and unlucky teams during the last couple of games? And we've shown that this is definitely an improvement. Is it a playoff team? Maybe, maybe not. I could see the Eagles maybe catching us. I don't know if we're going to be good enough to catch the Cowboys. I think that should be the goal from now to the end of the season. But it's definitely an improved football team. Only two games back. Only two games back. Two games against them to come. It is feasible given how we've played up and down to our opponents that those well, games are going to be tight. The rest of the Washington schedule, interestingly enough, is all NFC East opponents. Yep, yep. It's all interdivision. So everything rests in our own hands. We're getting hot right at the right time. And I think this win proves to the locker room and to the fans that it is a genuine improvement and not just a fluke of a couple of games uh, going the right way. Yes, we struggled. Yes, we didn't look the best. But the important thing is we got to win against a team that we could not have beaten before the bye week this season. Uh, and that's a yeah. big thing for me. That's true. And like that, they, they have put themselves in this position with the um, with the Cowboys game coming up this week. And, you know, just looking there at, at their previous games, you know, they've the defense is one that has taken a huge step forward these last mm-hmm. couple of games. You know, I'm, I'm looking at it since like, the Packers game where they, they lost 24-10. Since then, only the Panthers game is a game that they conceded over 20 points in. So it's really become that, like how I mentioned about the Dolphins earlier on, that this Washington defense is becoming the defense that we expected at the start of the year. It's becoming more of a shutdown defense. You know, um, I think that uh, you're not really missing Chase Young and Montez Sweat as much as you probably thought you were going to as well, which is uh, fantastic to hear. So when Montez Sweat comes back in, is he back this week or next week? I suspect he will be. I don't have an exact time, but they said he would be out about a month and it's been about that distance. So, But you know what? I, I question why that is. I question if that was maybe lazy offensive line coaching when we had that stud defense, or sorry, lazy defensive line coaching. When we had that stud defensive line in place. And now that we've had some of the more rotation guys in, and you have to say there's some good players in that rotation for sure. Uh, but all of a sudden, it's been a little bit more diverse. It's been a little bit more scheme-based and not talent-based. And that is causing more problems to the other teams. And for me, where the talent should come in is those little moments where uh, the rush lanes start to drift a little bit and and the quarterback escapes here and there. What you want is a mixture between that kind of scheme defensive line where the talent also fills any little gaps that might appear that you suffer from when you have rotation guys in. So I want to see when our stud guys come back, I want to see continued. Uh, it doesn't have to be exotic, right? You hear that? It's not going to be exotic blitzes or anything. Just some stunts, some different things, some some more coached, a higher coached defensive line, I think, will definitely take advantage of the ridiculous talent that we have on that defensive line. I don't think anyone in the league would would complain about me saying that. Now, have they played up to that talent at all times? No, but again, like I said, maybe this is a way that can improve those stats and really make them a super dangerous unit. Yeah, and and on the on the Raiders side of things, you know, we I spoke to when I got sp- chance to speak to Steve uh, O'Rourke there a couple of weeks ago for our Thanksgiving special. 
I spoke about, they, I asked about uh, Derek Carr um, and you mentioned earlier about him. And I think one thing that maybe is being understated a little bit, um, I know he played well in that, that Cowboys game, but his performance level has dropped a lot yeah. these last couple of weeks, coinciding yeah. with the dismissal of John Gruden. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the guidance, you know, or the play, the type of play calling that Gruden gave to Carr is really impacting on his performance now. I, I don't think he sort of has that, you know, I don't know, maybe he was the quarterback whisperer. Maybe he doesn't have that, that you know, that whisper in his ear to sort of help him through these games. Mm-hmm. I think I think a big problem is, I heard a stat while I was watching the game, Dara. When Derek Carr throws for 300 plus yards, the Raiders are 6-0. and When he throws for under 300 yards, they are 0-6. Can you guess how many yards he had against the Washington football team? 250. So that trend is keeping along. If you can keep him bottled up, they prove again and again that they don't have that really potent run offense uh, to really get lads open on the pass game. And so if you can make uh, Derek Carr throw it, and you know he's going to throw it, and you can keep those completions down and keep them under 300 yards, that's the best way to win. Uh, I do remember uh, Hunter Renfro was a, is a great player. He had 102 yards in this game. He's very difficult to cover. And who was it again that we were Turden talking Renfro. to? Turden uh, Renfro. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> who were we talking to about the Raiders a couple of weeks Steve. ago? Steve. Steve. Steve did mention something, though, that I didn't agree with at the time. And I, ha- I held my tongue because we like to treat our guests with respect here on the Under Center podcast. But he said that their receiver room anyone in the league will be happy to have their receiver room. And I have to say that I do not agree with that statement. Certainly as a Washington fan, I would not swap my receiver room for his receiver room, even with Darren Waller healthy and uh, Thomas out injured. It's not outstanding. It's fine. It's fine. And it's obviously fine because Derek Carr has the most empty yards in the league. He's second on the passing yards list and six and six on his record. Like, that just shows you those those lists of passing yards for the season. They mean nothing if you don't get the W. You can throw all sorts of deep balls, but if you're not winning games, it's pretty useless to your football team. Yeah. Um, just one side note as well yep. on the game, and, and I don't know, maybe you can give me a little update on this. Uh, Logan Thomas went down in that game. It was feared he did his ACL. Scans have yep. proved that he hasn't. Yep. Um, so I guess some things are sort of all right, but I don't know if he's expected to play for the rest of this season. I suspect not, and it's really unfortunate. I had a lot of problems with him last season. Uh, I felt he just he didn't have a lot of drops, according to the statistics, but for me... He just didn't make those really crucial catches when we really needed them, those tight catches. Uh, and this year he had been on a very small sample size, but even when he came in against Las Vegas, he proved to be a big problem. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a problem. Bates looks fine as a tight end, as a backup. He's not a stud, but he looks fine. He needs to clear up some of those fumbles, though. He's had a lot of fumbles in the few games that he's had. So, And I'm disappointed. I was kind of hoping we'd see the the international Reyes in there, I guess, uh, one year in the international coaching system isn't quite enough to get you up to NFL speed. But I'll be interested to see if we see him over the next couple of seasons. And I really hope that Washington's bad luck on tight ends ends soon because we've had some amazing tight ends 
that we've had to let go because of injuries. Uh, and it's disappointing. They work really well in our offense. And when you do have to play a lot of time with your backup quarterback, uh, which we will, by the way, have to finish the season, um, Fitzmagic has decided to undergo season-ending hip surgery, which I suspect is probably career-ending hip surgery, but we'll see. But yeah, he's officially out to the end of the season. So we will be rolling with Heineke all the way to the end of the season. Personally, I think he's deserved that honor. I don't think he's painted himself in a bad light whatsoever. Uh, and hopefully, like I said, if we can beat the Cowboys this season, I know I'm going off on a big tangent here, but if we can beat the Cowboys next week, that is going to change the face of the NFC a lot. Now, I believe if the Cowboys beat us, that's probably it wrapped up. Even if we split the series one and one I think winning this next game really demoralizes the rest of the NFC East. But if it goes the other way, I think it opens the door wide open. And we know how shaky these Cowboys can be coming down the stretch of NFL seasons. Yeah, but the Cowboys do still have to face... Well, they actually they face you twice. They yeah. have to go to the Giants. Yeah. They, they end at the Eagles, but they also have a game against the Cardinals thrown in there too. So yeah. that's yeah. going to be a difficult game as well. Mm-hmm. I just think in the division sense, I think the division rotates around this game this weekend. And, it, and if it's a good game and if, if depending how the break the ball, I really do believe it's going to be a couple of breaks here and there. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Let me check here what the, hold on a minute. Actually, I do have to mention as well, and this is four, only the... four point favorites. I think it's going okay. to be tough. I'd be taking the under on that. I have to say. Okay, I I do have to mention though as well. That <laughs> it was a little funny comparison. I don't know if you've seen it, um, but Tyler Heineke um, is the spitting image of. Um, do you remember the really bad neighbor from Toy Story, the first one, Sid? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's, he's the spitting image of the young man Tyler that we Heineke were talking about. <laughs> We were, he's a spit image of that young man we were talking about off air of dope sick on Disney Plus. I have to feel like, especially when he has that helmet on, has just the big <laughs> eyebrows and the eyes. I don't know. He, he gives me big vibes of him anyway. But, uh, but we, better, look, we better leave we'll it there, Dara. I think yeah, we're we'll sticking to be talking about Washington. I think I think if we start comparing what Tyler Heineke looks like to various characters on TV, <laughs> I think we've reached the end of well, uh, Washington talk. Well, I don't think we're going to have many listeners if we start donating like. 30 plus minutes of airtime to teams that are six and six and four and eight. So we might have, <laughs> well, we look, might get a few off-com complaints for that. This is the thing. This is the, we didn't choose it. This is what great thing about it. This is the yet it's this all the great thing. Wheel. It's out of our hands. It's out of our hands. And uh hey, look, at least we got to uh to shit on the Vikings for a little bit yes, too. So you absolutely did. Yeah, good day yeah. for me, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show Fionn as always thank you so much thank you very much uh, like I said we'll be back on Thursday where our Thursday night preview show the Steelers against the Vikings with some fantastic guests lined up so stay close to our social channels Twitter and Instagram is both at undercenterpod uh, facebook.com forward slash undercenterpod YouTube Search Under Center Podcast. And of course, for the audio side of all of our shows, wherever you get your podcast, just search Under Center Podcast. That's where you'll find us. Um, and that's where you'll find out about our guests for later on this week. But like I said, that is all the time we have for this edition of the show. We'll be back Thursday. But until then, stay, stay safe and we will see you soon.